0: Welcome to Here's to Almost. It's your host, Rachel Lithgow. Every week, we'll dive into stories of almost. From athletes to entrepreneurs to everything in between, sometimes life doesn't go as planned. I'm here to tell you that not all dreams come true. That doesn't have to be a bad thing though. Tune in every Wednesday to hear inspiring stories of almost and how our almost can take us some pretty amazing places. This week on Here's to Almost, we have the privilege of spending some time with Dr. Amanda Holdsworth, founder of Cultivate and Engage. Cultivate and Engage provides strategy, research, organizational management, and communication services to purpose and mission-driven organizations. Currently serving as the Vice President of Strategy and Operations, Dr. Amanda Holdsworth reflects on the impact sports had on her, the struggles of her transition from sport, and the way her experience in sports have empowered her to be a better leader and business owner. Amanda, how are you doing today? I'm good thanks, how are you Rachel? Good, thank you. All right, can we just start off by telling me a little bit about yourself, um, your background in tennis and soccer?
1: Sure, Um, so I am originally from Canada and I grew up with one older brother who is nine years older and he was more into martial arts and that was something he got into as a teenager uh, when he was younger, he played hockey and baseball, which probably sounds pretty stereotypical. And then I came along and um, just became very active in school with different school sports and activities and found that I had a passion for both the team sport and then the more of the individual sport. And as I was just trying out different things, my mom would be approached by coaches over the years saying, you know, she's really good at this. She should look at a travel team or a tennis. Hey, she's really good. You should look at giving her some private lessons. And it just went off from there. And so – um, I was very fortunate to um, go on college scholarships, so I was on a triple scholarship my freshman year for soccer, tennis, and academics, which brought me from Canada to the States. Um, after my freshman year, I didn't play soccer, and I'm sure we'll probably talk about the stress of playing two sports in colleges. It's, it's a pretty big lift, um, but then continued to play both throughout my 20s, and uh, I've stayed in the States ever since.
0: That's great. Where did you go to
1: school? Uh, my freshman year, I went to Lincoln Memorial University in Tennessee, and then I transferred to Robert Morris University in uh, Pittsburgh, just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania.
0: Awesome. So it sounds like sports were kind of a big part of your life from, from a very early age.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think it was my mom. My mom talks about in first grade, we had a field day, like many elementary schools do, and she showed up and they said, oh my gosh, Mandy, which is, you know, my nick- nickname growing up, Mandy won like first place and everything. And she was like, what? I didn't know she was... Was athletic. And (laughs) and from there, it was just kind of while she's bouncing off things, let's put her in gymnastics. And I was very fortunate to have parents who thought, you know what, just try everything. And if you don't like it, then you still have to stick with it no matter what it is. And then, um, you know, once the season's done or that month's lesson's over, then you can try something else.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Can you just take us back a little bit? So you're in college as a dual sport athlete Mm -hmm. playing soccer and tennis. Did you ever see yourself playing in college or when? people when you were younger started seeing you as oh she's pretty good you should try to get lessons and stuff did you see that ever going there
1: no because growing up in Canada we didn't and it might be different I'm in my mid-40s now so it's been a long time um uh, we didn't have athletic scholarships, and so the, even the reason I started to look at the in the U.S. was I was on a, in a border city, Windsor, Ontario, which is right across um, the river from Detroit, Michigan. So I was really familiar with you know the states and, and America. Not so much about the sports, but somebody had said, "Hey, you know you can get college scholarships to play sports, um, and it'll pay for your tuition." And I thought, well, gosh, that's great because it'd be a pretty heavy lift. You know, I, there was really only one program I was interested in back home, and it was in Toronto, which super expensive to live in, and they didn't have. You know, I had excellent grades, but they didn't have the the type of scholarships or anything that could cover it. So I think it was the beginning of my senior year we started to look into it, and then it's just like the floodgates open because, you know, it was around the time that with Title IX everything was being evened out. So in the late '90s, where Um, colleges and universities were having to have just as many women's teams as they were men's teams. So there were uh, the opportunities at that time for a female athlete went through the roof um, because they were trying to either start new teams or teams had only been around Mm -hmm. for a couple of years. And so I think it was probably two or three, 400 schools I had been recruited by um, for either soccer or tennis or both but also because I had um, excellent academics and and the background with it. So um, I never saw myself going that route until it was actually like a viable option. Then it was like, wow, it's almost a little bit overwhelming. Like, where do we go from here? For
0: sure. And it sounds like it happened very quickly.
1: It did. And, you know, in in Canada, we, um, at least in my province, we would have like one major university per city, um, you know, per major city. So it's not like it is in the States where, you know, you could have, hundred in one state. Um, We we really didn't have these massive amount of options. And so then you get recruited by all these different schools. And because I was also interested in the academic side, it was like, well, wow, look at, they have all these different majors and they have these different programs or this one, I could be, you know, on the, on the tennis team at this place, I could play soccer or this place I could do both. So what do I choose?
0: For sure. And it sounds like after your freshman year, you stopped soccer and you kept going with tennis. How was that in college? Were you pretty healthy? Um, Did you have any injuries?
1: No, I was very fortunate. So, um, I mean, I had, especially with tennis, had a little bit of, you know, you get tendonitis or something like that. But, you know, what I found being a college athlete, it was pretty great because we had the medical team and it was part of my everyday routine. And, And I kind of joke now as a working mom, it's something that I wish I took as good care of myself now as I did back then, because you'd go in and you get stretched and you'd have your heat or your ice or your massage or whatever the case was. And that was part of what you did every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I stayed healthy throughout. And uh, with the exception, I think my last tennis match, I got stung by a bee. Um, <laughs> but other than that, it was pretty good the whole time. Good. Well, that's pretty
0: minor. Yeah. Um. So it sounds like at least through college, your athletic career was It was staying strong. It was going pretty well. And then I think a little bit after you had an injury, can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so it was interesting because um, right after I finished undergrad, I started my master's, and I did my master's, at, and, and then eventually later on my doctorate at the University of Southern California, and because I had been a college athlete, and I had great grades, and I had experience as a tutor, I got hired, I think, like my first day on campus to be a learning assistant and tutor for the USC athletic department, and I had known so many of my friends who had gone on to bigger schools or other schools where there was this pressure like, oh, they're going to go pro or they're going to get, you know, something they're going to go overseas after that and then they get injured pretty quickly. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, with that, I was able to mentor a lot of those athletes going, you better make sure your grades are up because you just don't know what's going to happen. You know, I had a boyfriend in college who was a pitcher, who um, right before he got called up to the majors, he blew out a shoulder and then that was it. But thankfully mm-hmm. he um, was a business major and had really good grades and that was just how it was, but there was a lot of pressure to perform. And so um, I still stayed involved in athletics, but on that side um, as a graduate student and then, you know, as an adult, working adult, I got involved in a whole bunch of different leagues. Everything I could get involved in was a great way to meet people after college and also that identity shift. It's really hard to go mm-hmm. from, playing a particular sport for the majority of your life and it being involved every single day to all of a sudden it's not, and it's not your identity. For sure. So I did everything from like softball leagues and volleyball leagues to soccer to tennis leagues. Um, you named it. That's, that's what I did. So that's how I stayed, still continue to stay healthy and, and active as I got older.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about that identity shift that you experienced? Cause yeah, it sounds well- like you're still playing. So, how does that um, happen when you're still in the act of playing stage post college?
1: Yeah, um, I think for me, you know, well, the first thing first was that I put on weight pretty quickly and I couldn't believe it because I'm like, Mm -hmm. I've always eaten like this, you know, and I've always been fit. And and thankfully, I I grew up in an era where, um, you know, there wasn't so much emphasis on female, like what your body looked like. As long as you were strong and you were fast, that's it, and you could, you know, you had the longevity, especially in sports like tennis or soccer, you know, tennis, I would be classic for being out there for two or three hours for a match. And I would just have the stamina to be able to do that. And mm-hmm. so the first identity shift I think was like, Oh, wait a second. Like why don't my pants fit anymore? Like, why am I, why am I like looking a little bit flabby here? Like I still work out two hours a day. And mm-hmm. so one of the first things I had to do was go work with the trainer because I'm like, I don't understand. Like, this is how I, and I was only 23, you know, coming out of um, undergrad and grad school. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, as an athlete, you're burning three or 4,000 calories a day um, all mm-hmm. the time. Now you're working off. Which is not floor. normal. <laughs> no, it's not normal. And and I think when you do it for so long, you like at least in my day, there wasn't, and at smaller schools, I'm sure some of the bigger schools and major universities had this. But in the 90s, it wasn't like, hey, here's your nutrition plan. This is going to keep you on track. It was you're mm-hmm. on your own don't pig out on, you know, French fries or anything the night before a game or a match and just, just be smart about what you're eating. We never had, we didn't have the guidance of um, what some athletes have now and some of those bigger programs have where they have actual um, nutritionists and trainers and things. And so with me, it was a whole different way of going, wait, what, you know, I'm still working out They're like, yeah, but it's not the same as when you're, you mm-hmm. know, you're automatically that, that lean muscle and that burning constantly. So that was, that was the first part. And the second part, it was just really – it was it was trying to find a way to maintain my stress or keep stress under control because, you know, with soccer, it was great to be able to play two sports, and even though I wasn't playing – soccer, um, you know, for the last couple of years of my college career, I'd still play in like rec leagues and stuff. And you'd still, you'd have this camaraderie and you'd have your friends Mm -hmm. around, but you could be more aggressive. Right. And, and tennis is, is you have to get into your own brain a little bit. It's kind of like golf where you can, you can win or lose a match based on your um, mental strength too. Right. And, and so that was always a great release for me to go out there and go, Oh gosh, I'm so stressed right now. I'm just going to go get the ball machine for an hour and just hit you know, everything out of those balls as, as hard as I can. And I'm just going to keep going, 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 and get all this stress and, and relief out. And when you don't have that outlet anymore and you, you're sitting in the office or, you know, an eight to five plus commuting every day, you're just like, really, is this, is this all there is? Like, what do I do? Like, do, do you guys do anything? Do you go play a sport? <laughs> and people are like, no, I've got a family or I'm busy and I don't have time for that.
0: And it's like, really, is this what the rest of my life is going to be like? For sure. And even though maybe you're still playing casually or recreationally, it's different because it's not taking up a majority of your days, your team, you're not seeing your teammates all the time. It's it's a very different environment than I think that college sport environment.
1: Absolutely. And that's one thing, you know, my husband didn't play college sports, he played high school sports, and he talked about a lot of the things that he and his friends did at their college and Activities. I'm like, wait, that stuff happened in college <laughs> because, you know, being an athlete, like you're I don't want to say you're locked down, but you're you're kind of like, you know, you have drug testing and alcohol testing. And, um, you know, I remember our team and this is back in, in the 90s. We can do this. Our team brought um broke the 24 hour or 48 hour drinking roll before the game at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And our coach found out and dragged everybody out of their dorms at four o'clock in the morning to run for three hours and do hill sprints until everybody was throwing up and guess what? We didn't do it again.
0: So it's not worth it. Yeah.
1: No. So you had that and, and you, and because as a freshman, you're coming in weeks early because I was in a fall season sport, you already have, and we uh, men and women's soccer teams practice together. So you already have 50 friends, you know, before Mm -hmm. school even starts. And so you're right, that camaraderie and having people around and, and kind of having that routine of, I recognize now, even as an adult, I work really well with routines and being regimented. And I just don't, you know, and I think a lot of that is because sports. I knew exactly what I had to do, where I had to be, how long I was going to be there, and everything else was playing around it.
0: Yeah, that's interesting that you bring up um, kind of having like instant friends when you're in college and you're on a sports team. And that was kind of my experience, too. Mm-hmm um when you were post-college the first time how did you experience like making friends did you have something in your job where it was like oh these are people that I could be friends with or there were people that maybe were very different ages very different life stages than you or how did you experience that
1: um it was it was interesting because I realized how shy I actually was um how how much of an introvert and shy like it was I think having friends from sports came very naturally to me, even if we weren't on the same team, if they played, it just seemed like even in high school and in college, athletes hung out with athletes, you know, for the most part, especially in a small college environment, like you all (laughs) know each other, you know? the, the baseball guys dated the soccer girls and the volleyball girls dated the basketball guys. And it just seemed like you had your own. That's exactly how
0: it was. And
1: it was just like, and you know, it was like, I had friends who were lesbian, friends who were gay, like, but they were all athletes, you know? And so everybody Mm -hmm. was just in the kind of the community. And so once you're on your own, it was like, wait, like, how do I meet people? And that's why I started playing rec sports, because I didn't know how to make friends on my own, really, that weren't involved in sports. I didn't know how to meet guys great date. Because it was just like, I always just dated somebody else who was an athlete, you know, it just kind of <laughs> always, always worked out that way. Um, and then you just go, Oh, this is like people, people make friends like outside of sports, like, how do you do this? And, and I would find even at work, I would start talking to people who are into sports, but then you get in this whole dynamic where you're this You know, for me, it was this young woman and I'm talking sports and things with some of the guys in the office because, and then you have other people go, oh, you're flirting with so-and-so and and you're just like, oh, I was just talking about the hockey game last night. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, just trying to make friends yeah. in sports, like I've always done. Yep, <laughs> exactly. So I had to learn, you know, um, like really, who was I outside of sports? And and that was, you know, you talk about the identity cross crisis earlier. That was a, a a big shift for me because I didn't I didn't really know. I knew I loved traveling and I studied abroad and I liked sports, but outside other than that, I didn't really know too much because there wasn't a ton of time to do anything else.
0: For sure. Yeah. And I guess this might be a good time when we're talking about who am I outside of sports to talk a little bit about your injury. You said you had an injury and I believe you had four surgeries in four years. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, I was playing um,
1: when I moved to Michigan. I had been in in Boston for several years after I I graduated my master's and I moved to Michigan and. How do I meet people while well, I'll join some sport leagues? And and so I did and um I was playing soccer. And you know, an adult rec league, you have a lot of people that they're just doing it as a beer league or or whatever mm-hmm. the case is. And because I was really good, I was still really good. It was just like, Oh, you wanna play in our team or hey, there's a men's league, you wanna come like join in? And and so all of a sudden I'm playing soccer three or four nights a week. And um I've been doing it for a while, made a lot of great friends and Um, I got probably a little bit too cocky because it's a rec league. And all of a sudden you're like a superstar again. And I, um, was playing forward and I'm five, three, barely maybe, and about 120 pounds. So I'm not very big. And I went up against a male goaltender and I was like, you just kind of forget, like when you're in the rules of the game, you know, the rules and you forget you're in a rec league where maybe everybody doesn't (laughs) understand the exact rules. And he was out of the box. And I'm like, oh, that's fair. He's out of the box. And I'm, g- I'm going to go for the ball. Well, he didn't stop. He did not slow down. And he was about six foot three and um, just full head on crash to the point. Like I blacked out. I didn't know what had happened. And I got up and everything, my ACL, PCL, all right, I'm sorry, <clears throat> ACL, MCL, LCL, lateral menisci and and um, that, that was all torn. So basically everything except my PCL was, was gone um yeah and that was just like another huge crash because I was grateful that I made it through college without injuries because I knew a lot of friends who weren't so lucky but it was just (laughs) like wait this is my social league this is these are all my friends are um I had to go through reconstruction and then a couple months later I had to go through scar tissue cleanup and then about a year and a half after that I had to go through with um you know I was having problem with the screws to have them removed and then I got better, and I, I, you know, being native of Canada, it's very stereotypical, but I love hockey, and so I was like, well, my knee surgeon, orthopedic surgeons, kids play hockey, and so I asked him. I said, hey, if I got into a hockey league, you know, what, what's the chance of injury? He's like, why well, I don't want you playing tennis or soccer again because of the lateral movement, um, you know, is not going to be very good. But yeah, hockey sounds good, and so I played hockey for a while in a couple rec leagues and. Got tripped going in the boards and it was either I was going to go in head first or I was going to go on feet first. So I hurried up and turned myself around on the ice and I slammed on the board's feet first. And as soon as I slammed, I knew it was gone again. And so I uh, blew, blew my ACL again and um, had to have that reconstruction, which was pretty horrific the second time around. It was about a nine month um, healing process. So. Yeah, it was it was very challenging, and I think now even uh, many years later, it's made me very nervous to try anything again, especially because I've got kids. And you know, it's it's one thing when I was younger and didn't have any other responsibilities other than going to work. It's now it's a whole different ball game when you've got other people relying on you every day. So, for
0: sure was that surgery number 5 that last That season? was
1: that was 4 so oh, I, that, yeah, was four. that was okay. 4 so hopefully hopefully that'll be it <laughs>
0: okay wow yeah so at what point were you that was that fourth surgery that you're like okay i need to just retire from sports of all kind because before then you were playing hockey yeah so
1: um I well my mom was at my hockey game and she said I'm taking everything home and she sold everything like on, on eBay except my skates and my sticks. She said, you're too old for this. Dad and I are too old, (laughs) too old for this. Um, Like we, you you have to slow down. You have to At that point. I was in my mid to late twenties. I think it was, uh, no, I was in my late twenties because my husband proposed to me shortly after that. And then it took me nine months, uh, nine, or almost 10 months of intensive physical therapy. So I could be able to walk down the aisle at our wedding
0: and then mm-hmm. shortly
1: after we got married, a couple months after we got married, I was pregnant with my first. So, um, after that it was it made it a pretty easy decision to not you know, that's what it was the one I was focusing on. And because that physical therapy process for that last surgery was just so it was a double bundle and it was just such a intensive recovery process that it was just mm-hmm. like, I I don't know. I think I, I don't think I can do this anymore.
0: It's just a very big risk at this point. It is. Yeah. it is.
1: And, you know, even like having kids and being pregnant, I mean, it's thrown my knee off a couple of times where I've had to go back into physical therapy just to have, you know, with your hips widening or whatever the case is, it mm-hmm. throws your knee off track and the IT band gets all messed up and it's like, it's all connected, it's all connected. So it's, it's, it's made me more. And I just know from experience and I just know from talking to different people, once you've, once you become fearful Uh, When you're playing sports of any kind, then you're more likely to get hurt worse because your body's just so tense and you're just waiting for something to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to get myself into that situation again.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I guess when you talk about we were talking previously about the identity crisis, Mm -hmm. like who am I without sport? Like, that's what I like. That's how I make Mm -hmm. friends. Was that in any way that transition eased by the fact that you got married and had a kid shortly after or not really it was just a different identity shift yeah I think
1: it's probably like a little bit of a different identity shift still you know it's I've always just took pride in being an athlete and and I don't know I don't want to say like elitist but it was just always kind of like oh I gotta go to my hockey game you know tonight or no I can't I can't do that I've got a you know tennis match or something and so you kind of just have that part of you a uh, part of you where it's like you it felt great to have something outside of work and and something to do and something collective where people wanted to be with you and people wanted to be around you and I think um the shift for me what I realize is that I don't do really well without some kind of and we talked about this earlier without some kind of regimen and without some kind of schedule it's like I can't just sit there I can't I can't run and I think that's a whole mentality that's a that's a whole yeah. different ballgame. A, it hurts my knee, but B, it's like running was always our punishment, as I, as I shared before with our mm-hmm. with our soccer team. Um, it just to me, it's just that I can't get out of that. I can't just go and just do something just to say that I'm doing it to keep my you know, maintain my weight or build muscle is a little bit different, but I, I have a really hard time being active if I'm not doing something. And for the longest time I used to say <laughs> the only time you're going to see me run is when I'm chasing a ball or somebody's chasing me, you know? And so and I've, <laughs> I've tried different components. So it got to the point where, you know, especially after having a child, you go, well, how do I get back into shape? And I was in pretty good shape. I maintained and I worked out, you know, throughout my pregnancy, I had pretty easy labors with both my kids, but it was just like, well, I don't like, how do you like, how do you lose the baby weight? Like, how does that work? You know, <laughs> like, where does it come from? And so thankfully I was still in a weight training, but it was, it was a different, you know, with, with kids and, and my kids are wonderful and they're amazing, but it's a different shift, right? It's a, it's I'm more sure. stress and it's like, well, how do I get rid of stress? And so somebody suggested yoga and I have to appreciate anybody does yoga and, and I've been doing a lot more the last several years, but I couldn't get my head to to my, like my mind to shut off doing it. And I was actually more stressed mm-hmm. coming out. So it's like, how do I get rid of the, these, this stress, this energy, Um, How do I get energy back? Because that's another thing when you're sleep deprived, it's like, how do you, how do you get that energy back without chugging a Coke or a coffee at four o'clock in the afternoon? So yeah, it was definitely a different, different shift then.
0: Yeah. In some ways, as a former athlete myself, I kind of wonder if I'll always be kind of chasing that, um, like stress relief that hits Mm -hmm. that same, that does it just right. Like, like sport did for me. And I don't know if I'll (laughs) ever find it. When um, you mention something outside of your kids, something outside of work. If you can't play sport, have you found something better than yoga that works for you?
1: have. And for me, it's, um, you know, we're in Michigan, so we've got four seasons and you can either learn to um, adapt and recognize that you really only have about three good months or, you know, or you can just find other activities. And I find that for me, the number one stress reliever is just being outside in nature. And I don't really have to be doing too much. Um, I might just go for we have hiking trails in our neighborhood and they're not like, you know, big, massive hiking trails, but they're, they've got trees and we've got water. Right. So I find that yeah. if I can get out and do that or we live on a lake so I can jump on a paddleboard in the summertime and do that. Um, I, my young, my oldest daughter is into rowing. She's a coxswain. And so getting into that, I was like, well, that looks like fun. I'm like, this is fun to watch. It's relaxing. So I started doing that last year. Now I coach um, high school rolling. And so I, for me, it's, um, I just being outside and it's not even in the mentality of, Oh, I'm going to do this. Cause I have to get my 45 minute workout over. It's more so like, you know, after this call, I'll probably, probably go outside and just go listen to a podcast or audio book and get out and walk the dog for, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes and just get some fresh air. And so, um, but it took a while to recognize that. Right. Cause it was just like, oh, mm-hmm. it's, it's gross out. I don't know if I really want to go out today. And then you force yourself out there and you're like, oh, this is the best day ever. You know, it's, it's fresh air. <laughs> so and I find that my mind is very clear. It takes away a lot of the stress. And like I said, even if it's just a quick walk around the, you know, around the neighborhood is, has been very helpful. But it's it's taken a <laughs> long time to get past that, you know, that mind shift and several different mind shifts to get to that point.
0: Yeah, because a lot of times it sounds like the activities you're doing, it's still movement or exercise to an extent. It's just not um, sport in the traditional organized way that it used to right, be for you.
1: Right, right. And, you know, there are other things like it, we love hiking and, um, you know, we've gone gone over to Iceland and Norway and things and have hiked over there, which has been great. Um, and I mentioned rowing and we just my husband's like, hey, we got to try pickleball you'll love it. Cause it's, you know, former <laughs> tennis. And I always used to think like when I was younger, I'm like, isn't that old people sport? But then I go and I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm soaking wet after like an hour of playing this, this is pretty, pretty intense. Yeah. And, and you but know, is... I've had this custom knee brace for like six years that I absolutely refused to wear because I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like I'm not a college athlete anymore. Like I'm not in recovery as a professional athlete. I'm not wearing this. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like, you know what? I really don't care because I'm the one that has to live my life. And so it's, it's also getting to that. I mean, I hadn't, I haven't worn that thing in six years and now I'm busting it out to do pickleball <laughs> next week. We're going snowboarding, um, which I used to love doing until I got injured in college and my tennis coach told me I needed to stop doing that. Cause you know, mm. I, I didn't want to put my, my college tennis career at risk, but you know, so I'm doing it and it might not be as good as it was, but at least I'm doing it. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, definitely. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Something. I'd like to shift a little bit um, to talking about your business, what you do now. Um, just tell us a little bit about sure. that. So
1: um, I own a marketing agency. Um, we do strategic communications, research, marketing. Uh, primarily, we've worked in the education sector, although recently, just in this last month, we've, we've shifted to serve more nonprofits, government agencies, Basically, any kind of purpose-driven or mission-driven organization. Uh, we're working toward our B Corp status, so any type of organization and, and, or company in that space. And so, it's been always been a passion of mine. I've been involved in communication somehow since I was about 15 years old, and always knew I wanted to work in the field. So, um, used to think I wanted to work in sports PR until I worked in it and realized that everybody wants those jobs. So, um, <laughs> long a lot of long hours and not always a lot of. of um, opportunities there. So uh, I've been enjoying that, although I did spend a year as an assistant professor um, teaching sports PR marketing, which was a lot of fun. But with our business, it's called Cultivate and Engage. And um, it's really a a great opportunity to find just like-minded individuals and organizations that have some really great stories to tell. They just don't know how to tell them. And we've been able to work Mm -hmm. with clients all around the world, like as far as ways like Australia and Sweden and Africa. So it's been um, a really great, um, a great few years of doing this. We've been around since 2018. But prior to that, I spent 20 years um, working mostly inside uh, higher ed, K through 12, and then some nonprofits as well doing communications and marketing.
0: That's awesome. Sounds like you've had a great career yes, so far. Yes, it's
1: been, it's been um, a really wonderful ride, ups and downs, like anybody else who's owned owned a business. Sometimes you're just like, why do I do all this? This is a lot of work. But <laughs> I think, um, you know, being persistent and the tenacity you get as an athlete, I think sometimes that even a little bit of the competitiveness, even if it's just a competitiveness with yourself, kind of keeps you going.
0: Yeah, I'd love to dive a little bit more into that. How do you feel um the personalities like you kind of cultivated through sport or just the skills and life lessons you learned, how has that translated into your business? Yeah, I
1: think that's a great question. And I don't think it's something that I ever really thought too much about until, you know, just kind of taking a look at the lessons learned. So I played, you know, I played a lot of different sports. We were talking about this over dinner with my family the other day. They're like, Well how many sports did you play? I'm like, well, my senior year of high school is on 13 different teams and like, how is that even possible? And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, some yeah. some sports, like it wasn't a, it wasn't as intense back then when you had to specialize in something from the time you were four years old, we had the opportunities. And some sports might've just been like, Hey, like I played on a badminton and racquetball teams in high school and all they were, were actually just tournaments. But because I played, it was really good at a racquet sport that I just played them
0: <laughs> and I
1: played travel. And I think the ability to get a lot of stuff done in a short period of time. Um, I look back, my mom brought over my planner from when I was in high school. And I'm looking at this going, oh my gosh, how did I get all of this stuff done? Plus I worked jobs after school, plus, you know, travel teams and elite athlete, like how did I get all this stuff done? And mm-hmm. you look back and you go, I just learned to schedule and block time. So, you know, and a lot of people still don't understand this, Some people subscribe to it. Other people don't, but I fully believe in like, okay, I've got this two hours. I'm going to focus on this project for this client or whatever the case might be. And you're so used to that as an athlete, right? Like you have practice for two hours. What are you doing? You know, Mm -hmm. it's going to be drills, you know, it's going to be cardio, you know, whatever it's going to be. You're so in that zone that there's hardly anything that can get you out of that zone. And so I think that, you know, sports gives you so much in terms of that opportunity. Like you get the, the ability to focus and you have to focus, right. And even though I played soccer and tennis in college, they're two very different sports. You have one that's more of an individual sport, one that's more of a team sport, but in reality, tennis is still like a team sport because you have teammates um, and you might play doubles. You know, I've got the doubles record. My my old teammate and I have a doubles record at Robert Morris for the most wins in a season. And so you have other people that rely on you, and I think especially as a business owner, that really keeps you going, very much like an athlete. Like maybe your teams on—I was—I was lucky. Like we won all conference in soccer my freshman year, and the tennis teams were, always did pretty well. But there were a couple seasons for tennis where I mean we couldn't even scrape by a couple wins in the season. And so what keeps you going? Mm-hmm. Well, instead of you saying, "Well, I just, like I'm done with this. Like this is ridiculous. Such a waste of time." you have other people that are relying on you. Like if you leave a team or you quit or you don't put in a hundred percent effort, you're letting other people down. And I think as a business owner, now that we're saying this and I'm reflecting on it, you can't, you can't just throw in the towel when times are tough. Like you have people <laughs> that are relying on you, whether they're full-time employees, part-time contractors, clients, you know, your family, their families, like there are a lot of people that are relying on you. So I think with the, the way of, of persistence, with sports to be a really great athlete or even a subpar athlete. I was probably subpar when I was college. I don't know if I could, I could hack it nowadays, you know how it was. <laughs> you still have to show up even if you're riding the bench, right. Or you didn't do your, your summer training and you have to do more sprints Well, you can't just quit. Like you have to do that to get better and better and better. And I think that, you know, that's that, that skill set. It's not even being competitive with anybody else. It's being competitive with yourself. Like how hard, can I push myself? Like how far can I go if I really work hard? And I think that's probably one of the best things about sports that I didn't really learn until after the fact um, that has brought me so far at work. It's, I haven't been necessarily competitive with other people, although sometimes you, you get a little bit, especially when you're in house, but I think it's more so like, I know I can do this, but if I put a little bit more effort into it, like how much better can it be next week? And if I put a little bit more effort into it, how much better can it be next year? um I don't know it's just I don't it's almost like a game and I think it keeps things a little bit fun and a little bit challenging too
0: yeah I love that I think just kind of going off of the drive the work ethic and even yes you have people depending on you but also sometimes in sport like in life things are just a slow grind you know it's not as simple as oh well it didn't work out today like I'm just going to throw in the towel sometimes things just take a lot of work a lot of hard work a very long time before you actually get that end result, and I think sometimes sports can kind of help us kind of see that bigger picture and understand that sometimes it's you just got to keep working, you just got to keep your head down, and just keep yeah, driving. exactly.
1: And I think that the way that you frame that is so perfect too, right? It's like you might not see the payoff right now, like you know you're doing summer sprints when your friends, especially when you're in college, and your friends are all you know, going out the night before, whatever the case is, you know, you got to get up early to do those runs. You're like, why am I doing this? Like my season doesn't even start until March, right. Or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. But then when you see how much further ahead you are, I think it gives you a little bit more patience and you trust the process a little bit more, right? Like you just know that eventually it's going to pay off. Maybe not exactly how you thought it would be, but at least, you know, that you gave it your all and, and, um, you know, that you couldn't really look back with regrets.
0: Absolutely. Like maybe if you hadn't had your injuries, you would, if you had it your way, maybe you'd still be playing, but kind of just having the bigger recognition of we, we're we not always getting to maybe what you thought you wanted, but you got somewhere else and look at all the skills. It's but you, you have your own business, a very successful business. And that's, that's amazing. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, and I think, especially my work with um, college athletes, and I've been a mentor and things for years when I was an assistant professor, I was an NAIA faculty rep. you we We're able to talk to them realistically and not be you know, a Debbie Downer, but talk about like, okay, so what are your, what are the plans like after, you know, you, the, the percentage of the people going pro is so small. And, and so mm-hmm. like, you can't really just rely on this. And um, I think that that's been helpful. Maybe, maybe they don't always heed the advice, but to be able to come from the perspective of, I've been there, done that, not trying to tell you it doesn't work out, but let's just be really realistic here but then also like the connections, right? I I feel like once you start talking to somebody as you get a little bit older and they find out you're a college athlete or they played your sport, it's like a different ball game I feel like because people will want to sit down and talk to you even if they've been out of college for 40 years and they played a completely different sport. I feel like there's this kind of unwritten club that you're, that you're automatically in. Doesn't matter if you played <laughs> at Michigan or you played a little school, you know, like Lincoln Memorial, you, you all have this connection, which is pretty neat too.
0: Absolutely. I love that. I think life is about connection. So sport is, I think that's one of the reasons it sounds like both of us really enjoyed sport was through the connections we were able yeah, to get absolutely. through.
1: That. Uh, I think that's one of the other things about sports is, you know, like when you're playing on a team, like a soccer team, for example, You might not all get along, but you better get along on the field and you better recognize each other and respect (laughs) each other's strengths. So whether you like somebody or not, you all have to play together. And unfortunately, I'm a researcher in organizational culture and employee engagement. It was what my dissertation was on, and, and I do quite a bit of research in that area now. I'll go into companies and corporations and people aren't playing on the same team. They're not working toward the same mission. And let me just tell you, that's just a recipe for disaster. So that's probably another big benefit of being an athlete. Like I said, even if you're on a small tennis team and you're playing individual, you all know that you want to go to conference and you want to win conference. You all know that you want to be ranked. You all know that you want to set the school record. I mean, whatever it is that your goal is, whether you like each other or not, whether you, you like you're competitive with each other or not you're all working toward the same goal. And that's probably one of the biggest issues I always, I always find now when I'm working with places, when they're having internal communications issues or external branding issues, they're not all on the same page. And that's, that's a big problem.
0: For sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your insight. I think we learned a lot today just about um, just through your experience and your past. And I love hearing the positive of things that maybe didn't work out. So Really appreciate you coming on here today and sharing your story. Well, thank you so
1: much, Rachel. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Here's to Almost. Know someone going through a tough time or someone who could use a little extra inspiration? Share this episode with them to spread the good that can come out of our almost. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd love to hear from you. Give us a review and subscribe to never miss an episode. Whatever your almost is, I hope you're one step closer to finding that good on the other side. Have the best day.